Hey everyone, one serious thing before we get started today. As you probably know, Texas is dealing with massive blackouts after a really nasty winter storm. Some folks might be without heat or power for weeks, and it's especially dangerous for anyone who's experiencing homelessness. So earlier this week, I made donations to charities and mutual aid funds across the state that are helping as many people as they can. If you can help, then look at the show notes. I have posted links to the places that I donated to, and thank you. Okay, here's the show. And the ways in which she got out of jail was because, like, these high society folks in the community were like, she's about to cater my party. I need to get her out so she can come cater my party. When is being a good cook a get-out-of-jail-free card? Fantize Travel Anderson is going to give us the answer today on Follow Friday. But first, today's show is brought to you by Hey.com, which is what I use for my personal email. I love it. And now they offer Hey for Work, which has all the same great features like email screening and multiple inboxes, plus a bunch of new stuff for collaborating and sharing emails with your colleagues. Learn more about Hey and Hey for Work at Hey.com. That's H-E-Y dot com. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a show about the best people on the internet and why you should follow them. If you're new to the show, welcome. Every week I talk to the internet creators I admire most about who they follow online. These include podcasters, writers, comedians, musicians, and more. They have amazing taste and will guide us to the people they find fascinating who we should be following too. I'm here with Travel Anderson. They're an award-winning journalist and editor at the queer culture magazine Extra and the co-host of the podcast Fanti. Every episode, Travel and their co-host Jarrett Hill talk about the people, places, and things they are fans of but sometimes have anti-feelings about. So here's a clip from their 2020 holiday special, which is called Santa is Black and Possibly Gay. I don't like Christmas weather. I don't like snow. I don't like the cold. Like, I, and that's because I run cold. And so I feel like when it is cold, like I'm going to die. <laughs> all right. And so I can't do that. But I've been loving like L.A. Christmas because there's sun. It's 75 degrees outside. Listen. You know, people put lights on their palm trees and shit. I think that's cute. But we're not really here to talk about Travel's work. We're here to talk about the people they follow online. Travel, welcome to Follow Friday. Thanks for having me, Eric. So I I'm, have to say first that I am very impressed by your decisiveness. And what I mean by that is that every other guest I've talked to so far has had this really hard time figuring out their list of who they're going to recommend. I told you what I was looking for, and you got back to me with a list of four great people in like 15 <laughs> minutes. That, that is impressive. <laughs> Why, thank you. That also means that I am tethered to my email, um, which is probably not a good thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I happen to know and follow a lot of really cool people who, who I'm always interested in, like, giving some extra shine to. So it was easy for me. Well, that's the name of the game here, and I'm glad to be getting just a little taste of your taste. Let's do it. 
It's Follow Friday. Let's dive right into it with your first follow. I asked you for someone who is super talented but still under the radar, and you said Char Jossel, who is on Instagram at Char Says So, and who writes about entertainment, trans identity, and race. So tell us about Char and what you like about her. So Char is an amazing journalist, amazing on-air talent and host and personality and pop culture aficionado. Um, I first met her through, I believe, the National Association of Black Journalists here in L.A. I'm currently president. Um, she's currently a member of our board. Um, but she's just somebody who has that that energy, that gravitas, that ooh-ah-ah uh, uh, sensation is what I call it, um, and who deserves to be on TV somewhere who needs their own show that I feel like I I just want more people to know about her excellence, her amazingness, um, just because she's, not everybody is cut out for TV. Not everybody is cut out to have a microphone in front of their face, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she is somebody who always keeps me entertained, always has a, a kind of a a breath of knowledge about a variety of different things. She can talk to you about the politics and what's going on, the foolishness going on in the White House, but she can also get real deep down and dirty with you and talk about the housewives or the behind the scenes drama at The View or, you know, loving hip hop. You know, she can give you that entire range. And I just, I need somebody to give her the platform that she deserves. Well, and that's the thing is a lot of people, they are told by career counselors or whatever, you have to specialize, you have to pigeonhole yourself. You're the person who just talks about politics or just mm-hmm. about TV. And so it's it's kind of hard, I think, sometimes for people to realize that, no, I have interesting things to say about multiple topics, that my views on multiple things can be valuable. I don't have to put myself in this little box just because that's the traditional way things have been done in media. Very much so. And I think she is, and I should say, she is somebody who has kind of a broadcast news background Mm -hmm. um, in terms of what she studied and and like her early career things. Um, And I think that has helped her, right? I feel like in broadcast news, in news period, um, if you're looking to be successful, right, as a journalist, you got to be able, you got to be flexible. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to do the, the city hall story and then also go to a red carpet. Um, and I think she's just like a perfect example of um, that nimbleness that is necessary um, in this industry. But also she talks about everything um, with that attitude and that that desire that like makes you want to listen. Yeah. So so there's some overlap between uh, her work, like the bulk of her work and what you do sometimes in your writing and on mm-hmm. Fanti. You're kind of on the front lines of how pop culture is changing, how representation is changing, how, you know, the way we talk about people's identities, how the whole, all that's changing. So t- talk a little bit about, like, what is it like for, for, for someone like the two of you now, someone who's who's really actively participating in this conversation? Like, what are the opportunities? What are the challenges um, of, of being in this moment here? I mean, I think part of the challenge of just being in this moment is like for for me and Char specifically and then broadly speaking, you know, as black, queer, trans people, you know, who are journalists, right, who were both freelancers, the, the journalism ecosystem, right, is one in which there's no security, Mm-hmm. They are often only interested in our voices, either for Black History Month or for Pride Month. 
Um, and we saw, I think in particular this past June, right, with all of the protests happening um, during and in the middle of Pride Month, we saw just like, like a lot of attention on, you know, amplifying Black voices and all of that. Um, but we're not getting the same opportunities. We're not getting the same, you know, like long term staff type jobs and staff type platforms um, as many of our other counterparts. And so I think it presents this this duality that we have to kind of embody right in the work that we do. And so, you know, I've been having a lot of conversations about what 2021 looks like um, for folks in media, for folks in journalism, uh, for black folks, queer folks, trans folks. And I, the way I say is it's yet to be determined whether or not. Not all of these companies that made these commitments to amplifying certain types of diverse voices actually do so. Um, but regardless of that, folks like myself, folks like Shar, will be you know in the trenches doing the work um, and and you know trying to uh, spotlight those varying communities and varying perspectives that deserve to be seen. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to say Black Lives Matter. It's another thing to actually live it and to, you know, put that into practice. And in Prove. In the, you got to prove it. Every You've day. You've got to prove that. You know, I say often that, like, you know, this idea of, like, being an ally or being accomplice or whatever, like, it's, it's action-oriented. You can say it all you want, but, like... Are you putting money in Black folks' pockets? Mm -hmm. Are you hiring us? Are you promoting us? Are you, um, you know, making sure that we have the same opportunities, right, that everyone else um, has? And, you know, everybody's not committed to the work in that particular way. <laughs> well, here's hoping that for you and for Shar and for everyone else, the stars continue to rise. The opportunities continue to come up. Amen. That was Shar Jassel, who is on Instagram at Shar Says So. It's Follow Friday. Let's move on to your next follow. I asked you to recommend someone who makes you think, and you said Alok V. Menon, who is a gender nonconforming writer and performance artist. They're the author of a book called Beyond the Gender Binary, and you can follow them on Instagram at A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. So tell me about Alok and what they make you think about. So Alok is somebody who I discovered, I think, through kind of, for me, trying to find other um, trans folks of non-binary experience who could help me understand um, what life could look like. Yeah. Um, and they are a writer, a poet, a thinker, a fashion designer. They've literally done it all at the intersection of, like, trying to get this world to just degender everything mm -hmm. thing, right? Degender fashion, degender our language. I... <laughs> You know, we know, right, that, that really deeply smart people exist in this world. And that's often something that's reserved. Like if you have a Harvard degree or if you're like a philosophy major or something like that. And I feel like Alok is just a well-learned person, um, has a very deep um, understanding of history um, and of how racism, colonization, imperialism, you know, all of them isms and obias um, inform how we live today. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just constantly, even just by following them on social media, learning different things that I, as a non-binary person, like suspected and, and knew maybe a little bit about. Um, but Alok always brings this, this, this just treasure trove of information with them whenever they walk into a space. And I love how 
how unapologetic they are about being a non-binary person, about being a hairy person, about loving wearing dresses and all that type of stuff, um, and their compassion that they bring to conversations about um, identity formation, about gender presentation, and all of those different things. Um, they wrote that book, um, a book earlier this year, uh, Beyond the Binary, that I think really can serve as like an introductory text for folks mm-hmm. who struggle with with a gender understanding um, and understanding, I should say, our genders as, as non-binary people. Um, and so I just love everything about Alok. What have you learned from following Alok's work? Like, what's an example of something that they either wrote about or did a video about or something you've seen them do that really expanded your mind or, or changed how you are approaching, you know, um, just living in the world? The first thing that comes to mind is I remember uh, even as I was like on the earlier stages of my gender journey, um, knowing and feeling just like deeply within myself that like transness and being non-binary is like has to be something divine, has mm-hmm. to be something sacred, um, just based on kind of how my mind was wrapping itself around um, identity and purpose and and uh, personhood formation. Um, and then I remember scrolling past something on social media that, that Alok was involved in, and Alok talked about the ways in which um, people who we would consider to be trans today were priestesses in pre-colonial mm-hmm. communities um, across cultures, right, across Africa, across Asia, etc. Um, and the ways in which, um, like I mentioned, colonialism and imperialism stripped many of our cultures from that, that pre-colonial history, right? That that was that was formed without necessarily the the white European cis hetero gaze foisted upon it. Um, and and since seeing that um, on a Loke's pages, I've done my I've been able to do my own research to to really get an understanding, right, about the ways in which non-binary and trans people were um, uh, lifted up um, in various societies um, as a means, right, of circumventing and responding um, something that I feel is like a common misperception, particularly in in Western society, about like non-binary and trans people being like a creation, you know, mm-hmm. in somebody's Hollywood writer's room, fad, yeah, or yeah, yeah mm-hmm. or you know, at the turn of the century, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of folks just don't know that history because it's been stripped away from us. And so I really appreciate you know Elope for being somebody that like introduced that to me in a more tangible way mm-hmm. beyond what I was just feeling, um, and then uh, you know that being kind of a gateway for me to do my own education and, and figure out more about the the legacy and the lineages to which I belong. Yeah, when I was looking at Alok's pages, I was thinking about my American Civil War history and how mm-hmm. there were like a not insignificant number of people who were at least born women who uh, mm-hmm. dressed as men in order to fight in the war, I think on both sides. And, you know, the, the traditional or the, the old fashioned way the story has been told is like when well, they were pulling a Mulan, that they were just, you know, right. dressing up because they wanted to fight. But then then they then as soon as the war was over, they went back to uh, performing as, as women. Um, but I, I do wonder, I mean... I, I don't know if there's really enough historical record to go back and actually figure this out. But like, you know, 
what if some of these were, were just trans men, right? They, they weren't necessarily yeah. just putting on a show, you know, and putting that's on it. an act. And that's that history, right, that we that we don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and part of it is because, you know, language is ever evolving and maybe those people, like, would not have used trans as a label. Right. But, like, I've, one of the things that I've discovered, I'm allegedly writing a book. Um, my book agent thinks I'm writing a book, but my, <laughs> my schedule <laughs> and my energy level be like, but in my research for the book I'm writing, which is about trans representation, um, they, I discovered these, these histories of, um, again, people that we might consider to be trans today who engaged in assigned female at birth, who engaged in a masculine, mm-hmm. uh, of center gender presentation, um, and, and were able to do it without, um, like they had loved ones, they had families, they had careers. Lucy Hicks Anderson is somebody who's um, I would love just more information about. She was a she was based in Oxnard, California. She was a black trans woman who ran a brothel. Um, and then she also was a very good cook, apparently. And so she was uh, of a high society nature in that community. OK, so she ran a brothel. Right. And so right. a sailor uh, apparently uh, contracted a you know STD from one of the women at her brothel. Mm-hmm. And the police made everybody, including her, go through medical examinations oh. to figure out you know, who it, who it came from. And that's how her transness was, you know, disclosed. Um, she was jailed for it. Uh, she was tried and convicted literally just for being trans. Right. Um, and the ways in which she got out of jail, um, in some of those instances was because like these high society folks in the community were like, She's about to cater my party. I need to get her out so she can come cater my party. Right? Those types of things. I need hors d'oeuvres. Listen, okay? (laughs) And I think that that's one of those stories that um, we just don't know. That's that history, uh, that Black history, that Black trans history that we Mm -hmm. just don't know because of the ways in which um, our history books have been written, the ways in which certain identities have been pushed out. And, you know, Alok is one of those people who um, I think has helped me just, just realize and further question the education that I have received. Yeah, well, I think Alok is doing some really great uh, envelope pushing work, really kind of yes. changing people's minds. So great suggestion. That was Alok V. Menon, who is on Instagram at Alok V. Menon, and that's spelled A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Travel Anderson from Fantai. Today's show is brought to you by Hey.com. So I used to use a popular free email service, which I'm not going to name here, but let's just say it's made by a tech company that claims to not be evil, despite a lot of evidence to the contrary. You might have heard of it. The point is, when you use a free email service, you are paying for it by giving up some of your privacy. Hey is different. After a free trial, you pay an annual subscription fee, and that's it. They stay out of your business. They're not going to scan your email to serve you ads. In fact, there are no ads. It's great. Hey also blocks tracking pixels, which are the invisible things that email marketers use to spy on you. The spies want to know when you open newsletters and where you open them from. But too bad. That is your data and it should only belong to you. So switch to Hey today at Hey.com. That's H-E-Y dot com. 
Before we get back to Travel, thank you to Frankie for reviewing Follow Friday on Apple Podcasts this week. Frankie says in their review that this is their new favorite podcast, which is so sweet. I am flattered. Thank you, Frankie. Real talk, though, some of you are probably thinking, hey, wait a minute. I want my name read on the show, but I don't have an iPhone or I don't use Apple Podcasts. You're right. That's unfair, which is why I'm now using a site called Love the Podcast. Just go to lovethepodcast.com slash follow Friday. The link is in the show notes and you'll get links to all the places where you can rate and review us. That's lovethepodcast.com slash follow Friday. It's follow Friday. Welcome back to follow Friday. Travel Anderson, I asked you for someone you have a crush on. This is one of several possible categories that my guests can pick from. And you were the first person brave enough to take the bait. So <laughs> I want you to tell us about, about your crush, Texas Isaiah. So I kind of cheated because Texas Isaiah is my partner. All right, fine. Um, okay. <laughs> that made it easy. Um, but Texas Isaiah, they are a... Uh, a visual narrator, a photographer, um, does really great work around image making, um, particularly of black, queer, trans, um, gender expansive folks. Um, and long before I was ever, you know, in a relationship with him, um, I just was attracted to his work. Um, and his work ethic and his positioning and his perspective um, and and what I feel as if his work does for the culture mm-hmm. for similar to what I was talking about with the Loke for the the challenging of our understandings um, about what image making can look like um, and about who can be right the sitters in these images um, and so we we actually met um, on the set of Disclosure mm. um, which is a documentary on Netflix that folks should check out executive produced by Laverne Cox all about trans history uh, or trans representation on screen Um, and he was doing behind the scenes photography for the film Um, and you know two years later we're partners but I I think it's just necessary to kind of uplift the work and then mm-hmm. also the the person that I've now you know come come to know um, right. and how it's not it's not performative, right? His, his desire to broaden the lens or shift where the lens is pointed in terms of creating a legacy, a history, a canon of imagery um, that is more inclusive matches up with who he is as a person and how he moves through the world and how he builds community. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's kind of vital work. It's interesting to the people who are um, artists or photographers who are anyway in the performing arts, right? Obviously, it's different for you because he's your partner, but just the way in which everyone making something and trying something new, the, the new norm is they have to sort of create a sense of relationship with their audience, right? Mm-hmm. They have to, even, even if their intentions and their, and their motivations are completely sincere, there, there is some element of performance no matter what when you're, when you're posting stuff online, you're making stuff for the audience, especially on social media. Um, and so, like, how do, you, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you for other artists, do you um, want to have that sense of, like, I know this person? Do you want to have that feeling of understanding an artist's personal life their history or, mm. or or do you think you know do you prefer to like focus on their work mainly that's interesting um so i'm one of those people who i am interested in knowing what what personal things motivates a person's work mm-hmm. 
right? Um, I do feel that like as a consumer, those are the types of folks, artists, writers, creators that I'm attracted to. Because that's how I, I kind of fashion my own life and my own right. work. It, it grows out of who I am and how I move in the world. Um, I think historically, though, we, particularly with, I'll speak in the journalism context, we want people, right, who are, who we don't, we don't know that they have a dog. We don't know that they like, you know, uh, pottery. We don't know that they like, you know, taking long walks on the beach, right? They are the robots, right? Who read mm-hmm. the news, read the teleprompter, give us just the, the just the facts. Quote They're unquote. all interchangeable. They're all just Exactly. Names. And I think that, I think us as a culture, we're moving away from that. Um, and we want, we, we want, I don't want to say we want more of folks, but I think, cause I, 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 I don't like that idea of requiring somebody to to be or do something, but I do think that we're more interested in, you know, a personality, right? We want to know that you are not a robot. We want to know why you do the work that you do as a means of helping us better understand and better process the work that you're giving us, right? For sure. Um, and I think that's what I find most interesting um, in terms of like the, the artists, the people that I find myself um, wanting to engage with, even even on social media in terms of like who I follow versus who I don't follow, right? I want to know that, you know, you're a real, you're a real person, <laughs> right? Um, and I think we sometimes take that for granted um, in this industry in particular. Um, and maybe that's a little different, you know, for singers and photographers and stuff like that. Uh, but that's what, what immediately came to mind when you asked that question. Yeah, I was looking at, at Texas's uh, Instagram page, and even though I don't uh, don't know him as a person, I, I do love the work, and I lo- love uh, love what he's doing. So, um, great. He's suggestion. great. He's amazing. Texas Isaiah. Oh, I should also say, you know, for the folks that are out there listening, he has two first names: Texas Isaiah, not just Texas. Um, but yeah, I it's it's. I think he's also challenged me um, in in my work to be, you know more intentional mm-hmm. about who who I'm centering, who I'm uplifting, who I'm focusing on, um, and being comfortable being unapologetic about doing so. That's great. I love that. That was Texas Isaiah, who's on Instagram at King Texas. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Travel, this one made me laugh. <laughs> I asked you for someone you have a love-hate relationship with, you said your Fanti co-host, Jarrett Hill, yes. who's on Twitter and Instagram at Jarrett Hill. That's J-A-R-R-E-T-T, Hill. Uh, I, I am at the risk of turning myself into the Keemstar of podcast co-host drama. <laughs> uh, love-hate relationship. What's this about? So here's the thing. Yeah. I read this in the email from you, and I was like, I probably shouldn't say him, <laughs> but I'm going to say him anyway. All right? I think, and for me, how I understand and how I frame love-hate is is ultimately, and don't get mad at me for, you know, reframing your question. No, no, but, um, I So I'm one of those people who uses hate as a word um, in a very loving way. Yeah. So for the people that I love, the people that I enjoy, the people that I cherish, um, I'm saying all the time, I hate you. You know, <laughs> I, I say it all the time as as a means of like irony, right? As a means of like uh, a recognition of like you have 
either made me laugh so much or positively frustrated me or, you know, held me accountable in so many amazing ways that I hate you, but I really love you. Um, And Jared is one of those people who um, we met, we met through NABJ LA Mm -hmm. again. Um, He is a great politics and pop culture journalist. Like you said, we co-host Fantai together. Um, And he is, it's, it's ironic because somebody asked me on Instagram the other other day like what have I learned um doing the podcast we, we launched last year um and what have I learned doing the podcast particularly over quarantine and I said that you know I learned that Jared is not just a pretty boy like he's actually really smart right and <laughs> he's gonna hate me for saying that um but you know I think when you work with somebody every single week um, he's also my vice president for mm. NABJLA. So we, we just work so much together. You've got to love people that, that that you work that much with. Um, and maybe there's a little hate, right? Because they know you so well that they mm. check you on your bullshit, right? That they hold you accountable. Um, but he really is, you know, not only somebody I think pe- more people should be paying attention to, but somebody that like, you know, challenges me to be my best self. Yeah. Talk about the different energies that you two bring to the podcast, to Fanti. Like, have there been any instances where you just completely could not see eye to eye on something that you were talking about? Hmm. That's interesting. So, like, our podcast, as you know, is all about having complex and complicated conversations about the gray areas in our lives. Um, <laughs> well done. And, 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 Sometimes we agree on whatever the the issue is that we're talking about. And sometimes we're just like, I don't want to say diametrically opposed. We're never diametrically opposed, but we might disagree on certain um, aspects of of a conversation. Um, And so I think about the ways in which we talk a lot about um, politics, right? Which is is his bag. That's what he does. He can talk to you about, you know, Mitch McConnell and, you know, some other names that I've never heard of. Um, and he can go in deep in having that kind of perspective. I'm more, my bread and butter is entertainment. You want to talk about films, you want to talk about movies, you want to talk about, you know, films and movies are the exact same thing. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) you want to talk about TV, music, like that type of stuff. Um, and I think we come together, um, because we're both two black queer people, um, who love life. Um, who love journalism um, and who also don't necessarily believe in the idea of like cancel culture, though Mm -hmm. we do believe that some people should be canceled. (laughs) Um, And so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but (laughs) I think that we, we are, um, we see, we can see and understand each other's perspective more often than we can't. Um, and though some of the particulars about those different, uh, those perspectives might be different, um, the overall kind of ethos of, of us as individuals. And I think of our show, um, is one where we want, we, we want to do it in love. We want to do it with respect and compassion, but we also feel that sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to shake somebody real quick, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Before we wrap up, I want you to recommend a Fanti episode, but not necessarily the best one ever or anything like that. What do you think is Jarrett's best Fanti episode? The best one for for, for his point of view. Oh, wow. 
Oh, wow. So I, oh my God. So I'm, again, I'm going to not follow the rules and <laughs> I'm going to give you two answers. Okay. Um, so I, I know for that Jared and I's favorite episode that we've done is actually an episode that we did while we were like piloting the show mm-hmm. and like working things out. Um, it actually, it's, it, it ended up making it to our feed. It's called When Goth, When Mm, I forget what it's about, <laughs> but it's, I forget the name of it, but it's about our relationships to gospel music and the black church. Um, okay. And as, you know, two black queer people, and then we had another black queer guest uh, to to delve into that conversation. So I think that's both of our favorites. I think the one um, outside of that, that Jared in particular is really good on, I'm going to go with we have an episode called um, In the Newsroom Where It Happens. Okay. Um, and it is a conversation about um, journalism, about diversity or lack thereof in newsrooms and each of our own individual experiences. And he shares um, a lot on that episode about um, what his experience has been like leading up to um, the biggest moment in his career thus far, which was he was the person who um, broke the story about Melania plagiarizing Michelle Obama's speech. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. He was that person who like first broke that story, tweeted it out. It was while he was um, he was had been recently laid off from his job, and so that one moment right changed the trajectory mm-hmm. of his career. Um, and so he shares just so much about what led up to that moment, um, and then some of the work that we do as NABJLA president and vice president um, for newsrooms and stuff like that so i would offer those two episodes for folks to check out so that one's in the newsroom where it happens in the newsroom where it happens that's the name of it and then the gospel one is like it's like our third episode so if you want to scroll all the way back yeah i I searched for it here (laughs) it's it's called uh when gospel music slaps and leaves a mark that's what it is i I knew it was something about gospel music slapping uh (laughs) but yeah that's it those are great recommendations. I will have to go listen to both of those. Yes. That was Jarrett Hill, who's on Twitter and Instagram at Jarrett Hill. And that's spelled J-A-R-R-E-T-T Hill, H-I-L-L. Uh, Travel. before we go, let's make sure the listeners know how to find you online. So where do you want them to follow you? Um, I am on the Twitters at Travel Anderson and on the Instagrams at Rayjohn, R-A-Y-Z-H-O-N. Um, and if anybody out there wants to hire me, you can check me out at TravelAnderson.com. I love jobs. All right. Thank you, Travel. <laughs> please, someone, so, someone hire the, the, this person, please. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ and at my email newsletter, watchthis.substack.com, where I write short, spoiler-free reviews of movies and other things I'm watching. Follow this show on Twitter or Instagram at FollowFridayPod. You can find a transcript of this episode, links, pictures, and more at followfridaypodcast.com. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermawan. Additional music by Purple Planet Music, Starfrosh, and Catherine Chang. Special thanks to our sponsor, Hey, which is making email smarter, better, and more secure. Check it out for your personal use or for your business at hey.com. Today's show was produced by Bumblecast. You can hire us to help you start a podcast or make your existing podcast better. We work with creators of all backgrounds and experience levels. Learn more at bumblecast.fm. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday.
One more time, thank you to Hey for sponsoring this show. Hey is packed with useful features for your email. Here's just one of them. The notifications are quiet by default. That means that when new emails come in, they're not going to light up your phone unless you want them to. And if you do want to be notified when a specific person emails you or a certain thread gets a new reply, then just click a button and it works. It's simple. It's perfect. Check it out at hey.com. That's H-E-Y dot com.